You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week. So now what? Well, you can join me, Pastor Allen, and my colleague, Pastor Carissa, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. Welcome to Soft Idolatry, Season 2, Episode 7. This is February 3rd, and we will be addressing the texts from Sunday, February 2nd. Carissa, what's the title of your sermon this week? Welcome to Soft Idolatry. This is Season 2, Episode 7. It's February 3rd, and this is for the Sunday text for Sunday, February 2nd. Carissa, what's your sermon title this week? Welcome to Soft Idolatry. This is Season 2, Episode 7. It's Monday, February 3rd, and we will be addressing the text for Sunday, February 2nd. Carissa, what's your sermon title this week? Am I repeating myself? Yes, you are. No, that's that was actually my sermon title. <laughs> Yesterday was Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day, yay! No, it was Candlemas. <laughs> it was. Um, there was all, I think it was also the season finale of football yesterday. Indeed it was. It was. And uh, it, yesterday was full of things. We're actually recording on the day we release, which is unusual. Yesterday was full of things. It was the last lectionary Sunday I had not preached yet at my current call. Mm, okay. I've been there for a full lectionary cycle. Um, I was excited, though, in case you didn't hear, to find out that the groundhog had not seen his shadow, which means early spring, or so they say. Uh, I think that's already here. Yeah, we haven't even had winter yet. Hardly, but let's not talk about it too much. Yeah, I'm not really ready to take on climate change on the podcast uh, today. So why don't we... Nor nor I, (laughs) nor do I want the jinx. Uh, I'm really happy that so far our budgets for heating and snow removal have barely been touched. So (laughs) let's keep it it that way, even if it's part of something that might not be as good as it seems. (laughs) Well, then what was your sermon title, if you don't want to talk about... uh early springs and climate change. What does the Lord require? To do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. That's what the Lord requires. No, no, that's my sermon title. Oh, so we both had questions. Well, I have lots of questions. Well, you also have lots of answers. (laughs) <laughs> it's 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 part of my charm. <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> yes, we we both had questions that came. Uh, well, okay, mine came right out of the scriptures, but uh, and at the last minute too, right? You weren't initially scheduled. No, to preach this I I was not initially scheduled to preach this Sunday. I had uh, had plans to host a rabbi from one of the local reform congregations, but. He had to cancel at uh, not quite the last minute, but with just enough time to let me prepare a sermon, but uh, not enough time to tell my folks ahead of time that this really cool thing of having a rabbi come and visit us was not going to happen this week. Oh, were they disappointed that it was just you? (laughs) Define disappointed. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, and you haven't been in your current call for a full lectionary cycle, so you could have recycled. Well done you for not doing that. (laughs) Well, I, I, you know, I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) (laughs) Parts of the sermon may be heavily modified from previous sermons. Yes. Parts of the sermon may have been used uh, three years ago, but uh, conclusions were unique to this congregation. So... Uh, honest, honest yes. pastor moment for our listeners. Um, we do sometimes u- reuse pieces or holes of sermons depending on circumstances and how many funerals and other things have happened in our congregations at any particular time. Correct. Which passages did you decide to use from the lectionary then this week? Well, as the title implies, we used the reading from Micah, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And we also used the Beatitudes from uh, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Okay. Uh, Two years ago, I did a sermon series on the Beatitudes. So we spent a very long time. uh, I did one Beatitude at a time, Hmm. which made for some... interesting sermons. And uh, so I went with the Micah passage, but I also went with the first Corinthians passage with my text. Why don't you read the Matthew passage? Do you have that handy? Uh, I do not have it immediately handy, but I will shortly. Why don't I go ahead and start with the first Corinthians passage then while you look while you look that one up? That would be an excellent idea. <laughs> All right. This, our first passage is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Okay, and the gospel reading. Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak 
and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And finally, this is Micah 6, 1 through 8. Uh, the last verse is probably familiar to many people, but the rest may uh, be relatively new. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me! For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Oh, my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised, what Balaam, son of Beor, answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I can't hear those lines from Micah without hearing uh, some of the opening scene to the movie the godfather even Which i you, still haven't seen you didn't even watch the clip that i sent you no i sent you that clip it would have been six minutes of your life <laughs> maybe six and a half i will watch that clip and put it in the show notes excellent. as soon as we're done excellent so the, there there is a bit in that um that I, I think the tone of that scene is very consonant, very much consonant with the tone of this passage. Uh, when when God speaking through the prophet Micah says, Oh, my people, what have I done with, to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. There, there's a scene when Marlon Brando says, Bonacera, Bonacera, what have I done to make you treat me so disrespectfully? And I, I just sort of hear that same sort of thing in all that. And I used that as the 
illustration or was one of the illustrations to sort of give a cultural touchstone for uh, the dynamics in the scene. Um, it, it's one of the most brilliant pieces of filmmaking in that the shot is, is taken over Marlon Brando's shoulder. So it's, he's not even in frame at the beginning of the scene. And for about three minutes, you just have this undertaker named Bonacera talking. But you can tell that he is not the one in control, that someone else is in control in this scene. And the relationship is there. And, and in that scene, the godfather says that, hey, you're not in relationship with me. And God is saying the same thing to the people called Israel. So... Uh, there, there's there's a lot of congruence between the two. Um, th there's also something, uh, there's another scene that uh, will be too uh, obscure to, no, not too obscure to go into, but um, I am also just so struck by verses 6 and 7 because it reminds me of the tone of debate of everything in our society today um you know god says what's wrong i've done all these things for you why won't you love me and and what what do the people come back with first of all okay how much do we have to pay you to get back in your good graces and then there is this total overreaction Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? It's, it's like all of our arguments. Um, somebody complains that... Um, somebody complains that it's really hard to prepare food for kids' parties. And the second you bring up, well, anaphylactic shock is also really bad. How hard is it to make sure you don't have peanuts? And then the person who is complaining says, well, I guess I can't do anything nice at all anymore for anyone. It is such a bullshit response because at the heart of it, you don't want to think. You don't want to take the time. Uh, you had a way of doing things, and then you found out you couldn't do it that way, and you're pissed. I hear a similar conversation in regards to the language that we use. Mm -hmm. People get upset when they can't use a word they've used in the past for oh, something. Yes. Because um, the word has been used in negative ways, condescending ways, and has gathered baggage. That then makes it offensive to use. And, and people struggle with keeping up. Is what mm -hmm. I hear. Oh, well, I just can't keep up with all these new terms and all this mm -hmm. political correctness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wish I hate that term political correctness. I wish we could wipe it from our vocabularies because what people are asking for is for kindness and for sympathy to the ways that particular words get used negatively. Yeah, I, I think political correctness is a boogeyman. Mm -hmm. And it just it. it it's it's like it's like calling someone a good guy or you know good gal. 
Um, it means nothing. In that case, good means nothing because it's entirely subjective. Right. And political correctness is just any change that you don't want to have to make yourself. Yeah. Anything that makes you uncomfortable in order to increase the comfort of another person. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You've been called out for that. And, you know, it's it's really interesting uh, as a side note, and we may have talked about this before. You and I have certainly talked about this before. But the term political correctness comes out of the academy, and it really has to do with calling groups of people by the names that they call themselves. So in talking about Native American tribal groups, you use names like Lakota and Dakota instead of just calling them all Sioux. And I think, if my memory serves me correctly, that Sioux comes from a different Native American language group, and it means horse thief. And You are correct. And French settlers or French, well, let's say French colonists, um, encountered this other group before they encountered Dakota peoples and Lakota peoples, and the other group called them Sioux, so that name stuck. Mind you, the Dakotas and the Lakotas and all of those other groups that are lumped into the bigger name Sioux never, ever called themselves horse thieves. Right, right. So Who would? At the, <laughs> at the heart of this is a is a move to call people by the names that they call themselves. And boy, when when we don't want to do that, that means that we don't want to let go of the power to name people or misname people. Right. It's as it's the same as if, you know, someone asks my dad Richard when they first meet him, hey, nice to meet you, Richard. Is it okay if I call you Dick? And he says, no, I prefer Rich. And they continue to call him Dick. Dick. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's not the name that you choose to be called by, right? then why should you have to listen to somebody else assert their will on your name? Names are a very personal thing. Mm-hmm. They are. And that unwillingness to change uh, can be a sign of a deeper pathology. It can. And that's actually sort of where I I went with these passages this week. I used a much more lowbrow movie illustration this week in my sermon because <laughs> um, it was Groundhog Day. So it seemed like a gimme <laughs> to reference Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, right? Yes. I, I also made references to Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. Yeah. And that's actually a really kind of sweet movie. If you mm-hmm. think about the the arc of it, here he is, this salty, grumpy weatherman at the beginning who's just pissed off about being a Punxsutawney. He hates the small town. He hates the stupid groundhog. The festivities are dumb. He's so sick of being sent there. And he gets trapped in this time loop. Sorry, guys, it's been 30 years. If you haven't seen this movie yet, I can't help you. There's spoilers here. And not quite 30 years, 27. It was 93. I looked it up this week. I I know I was a senior (laughs) in college. I'm, I'm rounding here. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, but as he gets stuck in this time loop of living Groundhog Day over and over and over at first, he's trying to change his circumstances, desperately change his circumstances. He tries to drive through a blizzard 
Uh, I think he tries to commit suicide at some point. He tries all this crazy stuff to mm -hmm. get out of February 2nd in Punxsutawney. And finally, he, he gives in and he decides to embrace the moment and make small changes and change himself. And in changing himself, he changes the way that people around him see him. He changes his experience of the world around him. And ultimately, he gets out of the time loop and changes his circumstances. And there's this, this thing that I like to call news angst or news anxiety that a lot of people are suffering from right now. And I do not believe the world is getting worse. It's not. I do truly, truly believe um, that that things are getting better overall. We just have such quick access to news, right? Um, I knew within hours when Mary Higgins Clark died this past week or when Kobe Bryant's helicopter went down and he and his daughter and seven other people tragically died in this helicopter crash because of Facebook and news alerts on my phone and you know all of these these fast communication tools we just know more about what's happening around the world a couple hundred years ago you didn't know what was happening two states away for weeks sometimes let alone around the world um and people feel trapped they feel stuck in the the badness of the world and Corinthians says, you know, the, the world gives you wisdom and debaters. And, you know, we've got this presidential election coming up. We've got debates all over the place and caucuses and things like that. And we, we get caught up in putting all of our hope on these political candidates. And really, um, Paul is saying, check yourself. Jesus is the one who fixes the world. And Micah is saying, it's as simple as justice, kindness, and humility. Yeah, I think that's a good reminder. And I think there is a lot of, there's a lot of literature out there. I want to say it was Steven Pinker who just wrote a book about, you know, how many fewer people around the world are dying from preventable diseases, dying from malnutrition, how many fewer people have died in wars mm -hmm. since the Second World War. So it really, there is a change, but as I like to say, the first bias of all media is commercial. Oh, yeah. And a newspaper with a banner headline, all is well, doesn't sell many copies. Of course uh, not a news broadcast that says everything is good means I can go and flip the channel and look at something else on TV. If, if I am afraid that I will stay tuned to the news. And so we have this dichotomy that is fueled by our own consumerism and the way that the news media have figured out how to hold our attention. Yeah. Um, I just picked up a new book this week. I was actually at a branch meeting for our presbytery, and I had a couple of my elders with me at that meeting. And these are not business meetings. They are fellowship and learning meetings. And this year, we're going to be talking about how to have kind and productive political dialogues with one another. Because we do get so caught up in the fear 
And let's face it, I don't care which side you're on. Both sides are drumming up fear about the other. And Correct. Yeah. And um, nobody knows how to talk to each other anymore. Everyone has these talking points, these monologues. They're like almost rehearsed. And people are talking over one another and you're getting this reaction of, well, then what do you want from me? Um, like we, we've, we've seen, you know, this defensiveness that you see from the people in Micah and the book that we're, we're going to be reading together is called, I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. Hmm. And it's by two women who are polar opposites on the political spectrum, but have learned to love one another and have conversations together. And so they wrote this book together hmm. about how to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, has discussion questions and everything. And so um, I'm looking forward to reading through that and potentially doing a book study at my church with that book, because I think we need that right now. We need that ability to talk to one another kindly, right? Do have kindness with one another, even mm -hmm. when we disagree. Kindness and humility. We can't be so attached to our own positions that we can't hear what other people say. That is pride. That is the opposite of humility. And we are not good at humility in this society. Oh, we're, we're terrible at it. And we will do anything to save face. Mm -hmm. Anything, anything to not look like we were in the wrong. That That's correct. I, not even... No, I'm, I'm going to go a step farther. It's not that we will do anything to save face. It is that we will say anything to shut down the other argument, to say that the other argument is invalid on its face. And we will ignore anything and everything. We will ignore every bit of hypocrisy in what we say just so we can make a statement that says, oh, you can't criticize me about that. You can't call me out for that because you're wrong to open your mouth in the first place. Have you ever said to someone in a political conversation, they're rarely conversations, but have you ever just said, that's a really great point to see what comes next? <laughs> I, I'd have to hear a really great point in one of those political conversations. Well, there's ways that you can say, even if you don't think it's a really great point, you might say something like, oh, that's interesting. Or I haven't heard that before. I mean, you probably, maybe you have. Or, uh, you know, like ways to dig for a little bit more information, like mine more mm -hmm. out of the conversation, mm -hmm. um, expressing interest in what the other person has to say can really just change that, that conversation. I'm sorry, what was that? So anyway, folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode <laughs> of Soft Idolatry. This is our final episode. Uh, the co-hosts co have come to the agreement that they um, can't work together anymore. Um, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like, I, I do. I do know what you're saying. An and, act and of kindness right there. Right. That That's interesting. And I, I think, you know, I've been preaching similar things the idea of discussing it in a church group, I think, at its heart, is that we hold this common identity in Christ. And mm -hmm. so we should have a basis for talking with one another.
I think that goes back to the the first Corinthians passage, um, talking about how it it seems foolish to the world that we center ourselves, our identity on Jesus Christ, for a number of reasons. Uh, first of all, the story is a little bit out there, right? The story right. of Jesus is a little it's a little out there. It takes some some uh, some trust, some faith, and also. It goes against the wisdom of the world in that you don't have to be right. You don't have to win this argument. It's not about that. It's about our unity to one another through Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, our, our, yes, our unity, our connectedness. But the wisdom of the world says accumulate as much wealth and power as you can. Uh, smite the competition. Um, win, win, win. And so, yeah, that, that is the wisdom of the world and justice, mercy and humility go against that wisdom of the world. It's OK to be a loser. <laughs> You're the loser. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, and this is, I think this is really timely. It's one of the, it's fascinating to me when the lectionary drops things in, you know, people say, oh, why don't you just let the Holy Spirit move you? And I'm thinking, well, the Holy Spirit can move you through a routine, through a rhythm, through mm -hmm. giving you a passage that you have to wrestle with. I would definitely just preach stuff I love that's easy. Right. But this is a case where it's stuff we love that's not easy. And, you know, I, the, the flip side would be I could preach on Micah 6-8 every other Sunday if I wanted to. Well, it's Isaiah 58 this coming week, and I would preach that one every week if I could. Yes, but that's a topic for next for week's next podcast. Week. You'll just have to tune in again, ladies and gentlemen, for that one. Um, I I think I've said what I have to say this week. How about you, Alan? I, I think I'm there as well. All right. Why don't you offer us a prayer and a blessing? That sounds like an excellent plan. Gracious God, we ask that you send us your Holy Spirit always so that we may see all of the opportunities in your world where we can practice justice and mercy. Send us your Holy Spirit so that we may practice humility always. Because we know that we want to do the things that help us, that we want to do the things that draw attention to our names, that show what wonderful people we are to the rest of the world, rather than doing the things that you call us to do. So we ask that you continuously send your spirit to enlighten us, to guide us, and to lead us into the dark places that need your love and mercy and justice. And may we do all of this with humility. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May God the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body. May God encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. 
on them. Thank you for joining us, friends, for another episode of Soft Idolatry. Don't forget, you can always visit our website, which is www.softidolatry.com. You can get show notes, links to our Facebook and Instagram. You can also find out there how you can support the podcast financially if you are so inclined. And if you ever have questions or topics you would love to hear us talk about, perhaps, you can email us at info at softidolatry.com. Happy Candlemas. Happy Candlemas. Hey, Carissa, what's your sermon title this week? Am I repeating myself? Hey, Carissa, what's your sermon title this week? Am I repeating myself? Hey, Carissa, what's your sermon title this week? <laughs> no, nah, I'm out now, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's still better than a bit on Candlemas. <laughs> Probably true. Thanks for joining us on Soft Idolatry. For show notes and more information, check out our website at softidolatry.com. To send us questions or comments, you can email us at info at softidolatry.com. And if you'd like to help support this podcast, please become a patron at www.patreon.com slash softidolatry. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.